John chapter one, starting verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Let me read that again. Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Then we'll read Isaiah Chapter 9, verse 2 and verse 6. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light is shown. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, you sent Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, to light up the world. We'll never be the same. Thank you, Lord, that we're recipients of that light 2,000 years later. And it shines as bright as it ever has. Thank you, God, that you forgive us, that you save us, that we inherit eternal life. So, Lord, we're going to look into your word today. Convince us today that you're for us, Lord. And that you have, you have the ability to light up our paths, and direct our future. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. The Bible split up in two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament isn't necessarily chronological order books. It's overlapping. There's all kinds of things. The last book in the Bible, Malachi, is the prophet, and it's the last prophecy before Jesus. There's 400 years that take place between Malachi and the birth of John the Baptist, which Malachi prophesies about. Now, John the Baptist is the, is the guy who came before announcing Christ. He's not the guy that wrote John, the book of John that we just read from. So John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. He's talking about Jesus. He said he's the light of the world, and there was somebody that was coming before him that Malachi talked about, John the Baptist, who was going to prepare people for the light to come. It says he wasn't the light, but he was talking about the light of Jesus. 400 years, there wasn't prophetic utterance. 400 years, there wasn't uh, a move of the Spirit of God. It was dark. And then somebody flipped the switch. You know what I like about modern times? The last hundred years or so, we've been able to walk into a room and go, and everything becomes visible. Isn't that awesome? 
If you light a candle now in your kitchen and you forget about it, or let's say one of your super intelligent, bright kids lights a candle in the kitchen and we forget about it, we go into a panic attack. Because in our time, unmanaged candles burn houses down. Somebody say amen. Well, if you go back 150 years ago, candles were the way you got around. So we've advanced so far, the things that used to help us see now burn our houses down. such convenient not to really have to work for light. I mean, you do have to pay your light bill, but we're not out there trying to create fire to see what we're eating. The simplicity of walking in and flipping a switch on and everything becomes bright is lost to us. It's, it's, a, it's an everyday occurrence. It's an expectation. It's, a, it's, a, it's just how it works now. You buy a new house and the light switches should work. Should work. For 400 years, there was no light switch. And then Isaiah says a great light came in. John says the light of the world, the, the, the switch was flipped the day Jesus was born. And what was in darkness became illuminated. I want to talk to you today about some things that light does. We take it for granted. We've got nice lights in this building. We've got colored lights. We've got screens behind me that emit light in different colors. And we just say, oh, look at that. Isn't that cool? But light does some really important things. And when God flipped the switch 2,000 years ago, there was, a, there was an intensity and a purpose for the light that is the same today and it's as strong today as it was the day it was flipped on. When Jesus came to the earth, it was to give light. And the good thing about that light is it hasn't dimmed one second. I know that you went to the store probably last week and bought an LED bulb that some, that some slick snake oil salesman told you, this won't, you'll, this will last past your lifetime. Ha. Ah. Only to find out about six months later, you're buying another one anyway. I love it, but there is no expiration date on the light that was flipped on 2,000 years ago. There was no, there was no, hey, it could get a little bit dimmer as we go. There was no, there was no, hey, this isn't going to work anymore. One day it's not going to turn on. No, once the switch was flipped on, the intensity and the duration never changed. From that time, from that Christmas time to this Christmas time, the light is just as intense and just as strong and just as revealing, just as illuminating, just as penetrating as it was then. There's no dimmer on it. Nobody can turn it down. Nobody can, nobody can snuff it out. It is the light of the world. The birth of Christ. The... Um, Light is neat because, um, because light penetrates things. You know, darkness isn't really a thing. Did you know that? Darkness isn't really a thing. Darkness is the absence of light. So darkness isn't a thing. That's why I don't ever give the devil credit for anything, because he's not a thing. 
I mean, he is a thing, but he's not a significant enough thing to be able to stop light from coming into a room. So you're not going to hear me running around and I I made just a commitment years ago. I'm not going to run around all the devil. No, no, because Jesus was born and wherever the light goes, the darkness immediately has to not be there anymore because darkness isn't an overwhelming thing. Light is the overwhelming thing. So wherever you turn the light on, the darkness is not there because in the presence of light, there is no darkness. So stop running around going, well, the devil's after me today. Turn the light on. Resist the devil. Some of you know that, and he will flee. Well, what, what do I do? How do I resist him? Flip the light on. Hey, you know what? Jesus died for me. I don't have to be that anxious. Jesus died for me. I don't have to be that worried. Jesus died for me. I don't have to be that afraid. Jesus died for me. I don't have to live in darkness. Jesus died for me. It says a marvelous light was flipped on in the darkness and then there was no more darkness. In creation, you don't see Jesus, you don't see God wrestling with darkness in creation. No, it says he created the light. Guess what? There wasn't anymore. Darkness. And what it didn't say, man, you know, that, that wrestling match with darkness and the light was trying, but it was kind of, no, there's light now and it's not dark. Light penetrates things. Now this should change, this should change our mindset about what church is for and what it does and, and how we operate. Okay. Because light naturally penetrates. We should rethink our theology a little bit about church. So for, I don't know, 400 years have been to church basically the same way. We um, gather together on a certain day of the week. We come in and, and we're not a very traditional church. But maybe you grew up in a traditional church. You would sit down at the right time, stand up at the right time, kneel at the right time. You would sing three hymns and, and, and you know, I kind of grew up in a church where we sang three hymns in a chorus and, and, and. And it was a nice little box of people who kind of, we just kept to ourselves. We didn't want to mess with anybody. You know, it gets messy when you get with the world. You know, I remember back when I was a kid, we're in the world, but we're not of it. You remember that? Anybody remember that in church? And so, so you didn't, you didn't hang around people who were, you know, worldly, who had VCRs and um, went to movies and stuff like that. You didn't hang around those people because the sin, sin came right through the little cassette tape. So what happened? Well, uh, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Anybody, does anybody realize Benjamin Franklin was a great inventor? Did you know that? Benjamin Franklin, uh, oftentimes gets credit for inventing the street lamp, but he didn't invent the street lamp. Somebody came before him and invented the street lamp. What Benjamin Franklin did was improved on the street lamp. This is good. Are you ready? The guy that originally created the street lamp, it was a, it was a gas street lamp, but the design of the glass enclosure of the gas street lamp in about two hours, soot from the flame would cover the glass and make it functionally pointless. If you're burning a flame in something that the housing is not transparent, 
then it doesn't put off any light. So they would light the gas street lamp and it would give light for about two hours. And then it was pointless. And if anybody knows anything about combustion, if you don't let the energy from that light go out, it will end up killing itself. So Benjamin Franklin starts looking at the street lamp and he wanted a street lamp that would last a little bit longer as, a, as do all of us. So Benjamin Franklin looked at the street lamp and the street lamps, the model of the street lamps that you see today were his design. Now, now when we turn on our LED street lamp, we're not worried about the energy going somewhere from it. But back then what, would, what he did was he created a street lamp that was kind of like a, like shaped like this, glass on four sides, and then it had a bit of a chimney that came out of it. So what he figured out was when that light was, when that gas lamp was lit, it would allow the, it would allow the energy from the lamp to escape through the top and then the glass wouldn't soot up. Okay. I was hoping for some connection there and some amens, but I'll explain it to you. (laughs) You know what? For generations, the church turned into the first style street lamp where we came in, we boxed ourselves in. There was a lot of energy inside the building, but it didn't get out. And so the windows sooted up. Nobody knew what was going on inside and the people inside didn't know what was going on outside. We provided, we, the church really didn't provide that much light in America to the outside because we got used to the sooted up windows. So we would come to church on Sunday morning. We say, oh man, I love to see everybody. I love that. It's so great. All the people are wonderful. I love the music and they got the lights and it is so perfect. And it's Christmas time. They were playing Christmas carols in the foyer. It's oh. problem is none of it got outside. It never made its way out. Things sooted up because all the energy was being stored in the building. And then generation after generation, we'd argue about why the windows were sooted up. But we would never let the top off. And we'd say, well, you know, we can't hang around people that sin. And so the church lost, lost the knowledge of even what was going on in the world. Then the world looked at the church and went, there's no benefit to it. This Jesus thing provides no benefit. My contention is we need a reinvention of the church the way Benjamin Franklin reinvented the street lamp. If you allow the energy from the light If you give it a way to escape, the windows don't sit up. If you take the energy that the light provides and you disperse it, it ends up burning all night. Come on. It ends up burning all night, providing great light for everybody that walks around it. And so if you see a church in a community that is not providing light for anything around it, I think they're probably bottling up all the energy. Arguing about carpet. That's why we didn't put any in this church. (laughs) Paint the walls gray because we ain't going to argue about the color. We need to rethink 
what we're supposed to do with the light. So, do I invite people in or do I let the light penetrate? Do I let the light penetrate? So here's the deal. I believe we should still meet together. I think it's fun. I think what happens when we meet together is something that is different than what happens by when you're by yourself. I think, I think when you've had a week that's a little bit stressful and you could come into the house of God to the building that we built and, and we decided to meet in, when you could come into the place that we decided to gather and you can look at each person sitting here and, and, and realize, man, I am not alone. I'm with other people and we can sing songs of praise and lift our spirits and we can be encouraged by the word of God. I think that's something we should keep doing. Yeah. Well, great. You're all with me. This is good. I was nervous about that. But if we stop it there, it ends up becoming pointless. And we'll suffocate the energy that he's pouring into us. But man, if we kick open the top and we allow it to breathe... And we realize that the church was designed to penetrate the world. Not to come in here and bemoan that there's darkness, but to go in and eradicate it. Because wherever darkness is and light shows up, darkness automatically has to leave. So for generations, the church went, oh, we're just going to, we're just going to stay away from the darkness because it might, the darkness has no effect on light. So now we meet on Sunday mornings and Sunday morning is not the most important thing now. Monday morning is. Because if we're going to penetrate, isn't it great that God gave us six days to penetrate the world and one day to recharge? We got to think about it differently. Think about it differently. We weren't designed. The church was never designed to sit and invite. uh, You should invite your friends. I'm not saying don't invite, don't send me emails about, well, pastor told me not to invite anybody to church. I was going to invite him, but I'm not now. I'm not going to now. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we should be penetrating our community. The light of Christ. Let me give you an example of how to do that. I've come across a story about a guy named Larry Stewart. Not a real famous guy. He'd lost his job. was living in his car, hungry and broke. Stewart went to a restaurant and ordered a big breakfast. His plan was that when the check came, he would claim he couldn't find his wallet. And when that happened, the owner of the diner, a guy by the name of Ted Horn, came from behind the counter, bent to the floor near Stewart's feet, and said, You must have dropped this. As he handed Stewart a $20 bill. Stewart vowed that day that he would help others. Wherever he could, he made his way to Kansas City and eventually made a lot of money. At Christmas, Stewart would search out people in threadbare coats, old cars. He found them at thrift stores and coin-operated laundries, and he gave them cash. He called himself the secret Santa. He asked only that they in return help someone else. Over, over time, Larry gave away an estimated $1.3 million dollars. Larry Stewart died on February 2006 on his deathbed. He confided in one of his friends about his benevolent work as a secret Santa. Lived his whole life, gave away $1.3 million, never told anybody. The 
friend vowed that he would carry on Larry's work as a secret Santa. Now there are many secret Santas across the country that even have a website advancing and promoting their work. They only have one condition to those receiving that they pass something on to others. It was said of Larry Stewart, he lit a candle every Christmas that was so bright everyone could see. The light was never meant to stand over in the corner and just hang around itself. The light was meant to penetrate into the darkness. It's dark and then it's not when the light shows up. And so the church, if we, if we, if we retool the way we think about what God has called us to do, not just meet together, but be, but be penetrating into our communities. Larry Stewart didn't sit in church and say, well, listen, pastor, if somebody needs something, just, you know, tell them to call me. It says he went out and looked for people. The light penetrated where it wasn't before and he went out and searched out people that he could help. That's what the church looks like, isn't it? How many times did Jesus walk up to somebody and say, hey, do you want to be healed? He searched people out. He would, he would go to the woman at the well. He would go over and over again to different people that never even asked him to come but needed him nonetheless. I can tell you everywhere it is dark in the world, they need the gospel. So what is the church's response? To meet on Sunday and close it up? Or to be a street lamp that can burn all night? I believe that God has called us to penetrate our local community, around us, to the ends of the earth. He's called us to do that, to be a light shining in the darkness. In every area of life, at all times, God's called us to penetrate. Amen? Amen. Hmm. Light illuminates, penetrates, and illuminates. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The life of Christ illuminates our way and gives meaning to our lives. I... um. You know why it's so important? I have to tell you something that happened here not too long after we built this building, which is um, which coming up on two years. Yeah, April will be April will be two years we've been in here. Um, that sound booth back there, it really goes the whole way across and, and it's got steps on both sides and you can walk up it and through it and down. And so, uh, I don't know, one Sunday morning, you know, we turn the lights down for uh, worship. So one Sunday morning, I walk in the back door and the lights are down for worship. And, and, and I decided I'm going to just walk through, uh, the, the back of the sound booth, maybe fist bump everybody. It's pre coronavirus and, um, fist bump everybody come down the other side and then come up. And, uh, and my, my wife will tell you that I, I have one philosophy about walking. People that walk slow die early. I read that in a study. People that walk faster, live longer. I just think if you have purpose in your life, you want to get there to experience the purpose. Even on a hike, I'm like, all right, okay, we've seen this. So let's keep moving. Um, so if you see me at a store at Lowe's or anything, I'm, I know where it is. I'm going. I want to get out of there. I don't want to, I don't want to mess around. I just think walking fast helps everybody. And if you happen to be in front of me and you're not walking fast, don't be, don't be upset when the light knocks you over. Um, <laughs> 
So, service has already started. It's dark in here. I bust in the back door. And I'm in that mindset, man. I'm just going to bust up through there. And I'm going to walk through the sound booth. I'm going to fist bump everybody. I'm going to walk straight up. I'm going to get to where I need to go and make this happen. I made six steps and I fell flat on my face. I'm telling you, totally in the dark, I was assuming there was nothing in front of me. But some gracious, Christian, well-meaning I think they were in first service, so I'm safe. Put a box where fast people are supposed to walk. <laughs> and I tripped back there, and I'm telling you, I, I hurt my wrist. Man, I'm, I'm a good preacher because you didn't even know I hurt my wrist. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I'm face planted. Now, if that was in my house, I'm just being transparent. Can I be a little, like... Not holy right now. Um, I would have jumped up and I would have said, Who put that box there? Now, historically, it may have been me, which has happened in my house. And when I get done screaming, I'm looking down to the box that I had laid there. That's a different story. I hit the ground back here and I go to stand up and I heard a little voice in my head. I believe it was the Holy Spirit that said, Chris, you're in church. The second voice was, you're the pastor. So I stand up and I, I'm, I'm just be truthful with you. I'm furious. And so through the gritting of my teeth, I look and I'm like, who put that there? Of course, everybody back there is like, are you okay? Are you okay? I mean, it was, boom. you okay? Like, yeah. Who put that there? <laughs> Jesus name. Who put that there? <laughs> so I thought, how easy would it have been to illuminate my path? If you're concerned about five years from now, I want to challenge you with this. Let God turn the light on for today and five years from now will take care of itself. Psalm says, he's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you will let him turn the light on for your next step, everything will take care of itself. If you're afraid of next year, stop being afraid of next year and let him turn the light on for the next step. It says that he wants to make it visible to you, that he doesn't want you tripping around, messing everything up and, 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 and being full of sin and all kinds of things that are going to trip us up. And he said, I'll light it up for you. Jesus came to the earth, not so we would walk around in darkness, but so the next step would be plain and clear. Be plain and clear. Lord, illuminate my day tomorrow. So when somebody does wrong to you, Jesus lights up the next step. Oh, he's done it in his word already. He says, do good to those who persecute you. Lord, I don't know what to do. Yes, we do. He's already lit it up. He said it'll be a light to our path, a lamp unto our feet. Life is less about how this will turn out, more about being sure of the next step. Can I just say to you, if I knew half of what had happened in my life, the way it would turn out, I might not have done it. A lot of you had kids. <laughs> God promises to illuminate the next step in your life. It might not be easy or fun, but it will be clear. 
Let him light the way in this time in your life. Here's the other thing. The light on my path can help someone else find theirs. If I will trust God for the next step, if I will trust God to take the next step, the likelihood of it, God's, God's life for you isn't always a laser beam. You know, how a, you know how a lamp has a halo around it. Go to your work and let God light up your path. And guess what? That light kind of spills over in the people around you. How can you be confident in the next step? God lit it up for me. God gave me confidence in his word. Same darkness penetrating light can illuminate my path and make it possible even for others to see. All right. We're going with the last thing. It penetrates, the light penetrates, the light illuminates, and the light does something else that we don't like talking about today. And I know it's Christmas, that's why I want to do this early. But the light reveals things. Light reveals things. Let me, let me read you Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse six. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. I got to tell you a little story. Um, there's somebody here that knows this story a little bit. I, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, I went, I've been going to a new dentist. And my family thinks I'm crazy because I'm like, wait till you go. It's like awesome. My, my old dentist is nothing wrong, but it was a little old, the equipment and everything. And so I'd just been used to that my whole life since I was a kid. And um, I go to this new dentist. I've never had braces. I got, I got pretty good teeth. <laughs> you see these things? So I go sit down in this really awesome chair. It's like, Mm-mm. you know, they get it all right. And then they put a pair of sunglasses on me. I ain't used to sunglasses at the dentist. I'm cool, but I don't need to wear sunglasses inside. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh. And then they turn on the sun in front of me. I'm like, oh, that's why I need glasses. Okay. All right. They begin to probe places in my mouth that nobody's ever looked before. All right. They take pictures. How many of you know, I grew up in a generation you never took pictures of things that weren't right. Anybody else? I don't understand the ones coming up, the generation now. I'm like, I tell my kids, if it's bad, don't take pictures of it. And don't dare put them on the internet. When I was a teenager and somebody got out of camera, we went to a party somewhere else. They started taking pictures of my teeth and I thought, well, this is a, This is a little bit embarrassing. Now I can see my teeth on a screen. I can see what nobody else can see in me because they shined a light in my mouth that I've never shined before. So here's what I realized. The parts of my teeth that everybody could see were pretty good. 
You're going to come along on this with me? The parts of my teeth that everybody could see were pretty good. I don't need breathe. I got a smile. When they shine the light back there, they said, oh, you grind your teeth. I went, no, I don't. Look at these things. They said, no, you grind your teeth at night. I said, what do you think so? I even went back to the next visit and argued with them. I said, hey, you know that teeth grind? I don't think I do that. And they went, oh, oh, honey, you do that. Trust me. We shine the light in your mouth and it's obvious. The problem is when you only shine a light on the places everybody can see, it might not change anything. But if you let God shine a light where nobody else can see, that's when it really changes you. That's when it really, really changes you. And Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says, listen, let him light up the parts of your life that nobody else has seen. Let him reveal things in you that nobody else knows and offer those up to God and let him fix them. Because let me tell you this right now. Most of the time, you don't want anybody else to know because you're afraid God is coming to get you for it. Here was the awesome thing about the dentist. Like they said, well, you got a cavity. I'm like, oh man. And so, you know what? They rubbed my shoulder a little bit. They were like, it's going to be okay. I was like, I'm just a little nervous. I don't know. And so they, they drilled my tooth and they filled it. And yeah, it's all right, honey. And, and, and I'm like, okay, that wasn't that bad. I didn't walk in and them shame me because I had a cavity. Come on. There's no shame There's no shame. There's now, therefore, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I need you to understand this. Jesus is not trying to catch you sinning. He's trying to give you an abundant life. And so now, when I bite down on a steak, it's the steak that I'm thinking about, not the pain in my tooth. Come on, church, you got to pick up on that. God wants you to live an abundant life. And if you're so consumed by the things that nobody can see in your life, then you won't be able to enjoy life the way God intended you to enjoy it. So when Jesus came to the earth, he said he shot a light in places nobody else could see. Why? So the Holy Spirit can reveal things in us that could kill us. He said, I want you to have life and life more abundantly. So it's not a light to get you in trouble. It's a light to purify you. It's not a light to condemn you. It's a light to make you who he's called you to be. It's not a light. It's not, a, it's not an interrogation light. It's a light to reveal all that you could be in your lifetime. It's a caring light. It's a light, it, it's a, it's a light he uses surgically to say, hey, listen, you're going to be better. It's going to be okay, honey. I'm like, yeah, but you're going to drill my tooth. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I'll never forget what she said to me, the dentist, uh, because she didn't numb my tooth. Hey. And she said, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. I don't think we need to numb this. You know what? I thought, well, she's been doing this a little bit longer than me. I guess I'll go with it. If I can encourage you to do one thing today, trust him with the light in your life. If he says, this is what's good, this is what needs to happen, just roll with it. Let him shine that light in your life in a way that can make you all that you were supposed to be. Let him shine that light in you in a way that he wanted you to be, that he set out for you to be. 
And he can do that. Amen. The light of Christ can do that in your life. Amen. Come on. Once you give him praise and honor this morning, the band's coming up. <laughs>